It's Monday, February the 7th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, Russia's formidable Ukraine force and Ottawa's state of emergency. First, the world in brief. Russia now has in place an estimated 70% of the combat forces needed to mount a full invasion of Ukraine, according to American officials. America said it would send nearly 3,000 soldiers to NATO allies in Eastern Europe, although these would not be deployed to fight within Ukraine. On Monday, Emmanuel Macron, France's president, will fly to Moscow to urge Vladimir Putin, his Russian counterpart, to back down from the conflict. The mayor of Ottawa declared a state of emergency as protests by lorry drivers against the vaccine mandate intensified, threatening to overwhelm police in the Canadian capital. Parts of the city's downtown area have been blocked for a week by trucks forming a, quote, freedom convoy. Demonstrations which have broadened to encompass more general anti-government sentiment have since spread to other big Canadian cities. Spain's Prime Minister revealed plans to launch the country's first official investigation into sexual abuse committed by Catholic clergy. Pedro Sánchez said that an ombudsman should compile a report based on the findings of an independent inquiry. The body representing Spain's bishops has objected to such a comprehensive investigation. It says complaints should be made on an individual basis to regional dioceses. Iraq's Supreme Court temporarily suspended Hoshia Zabrari from running for the presidency, citing historical corruption charges against him, which he denies. Mr Zabrari was the front-runner for the position, which was due to be voted on by Parliament on Monday. But MPs in the largest bloc in Parliament said they would boycott the session, making a vote unlikely. Peng Shui denied ever having accused anyone of sexual assault. Last year, in a now-deleted social media post, the Chinese tennis star claimed that a former Communist Party grandee had forced himself upon her. On Sunday, she told L'Equipe the allegation was, quote, an enormous misunderstanding. The interview, however, was restricted. The French newspaper had to submit questions in advance while a Chinese official sat in and translated Miss Peng's responses. Investors withdrew an average of $61 million from digital asset vehicles each week in January, the quickest pace of withdrawals from cryptocurrency investment products in at least a year. Investors piled billions into such vehicles in 2021, but pulled back in early 2022 as the price of Bitcoin tumbled. Ever tumultuous, Bitcoin's price rose again to nearly $43,000, $8,000 up on its January low point. Senegal's football team won the Africa Cup of Nations, prompting ecstatic scenes across the West African country. The Lions of Taranga beat seven times champions Egypt in a penalty shootout after a goalless draw, securing the country's first Cup of Nations triumph. The two teams will meet again in March for a place in the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. And fact of the day, $1 billion dollars the amount of money invested into Chinese metaverse-related technology between September and November last year. 
And now, here's today's agenda. A decisive round for Iran's nuclear talks. Negotiators gather in Vienna this week for the ninth and probably decisive round of talks to revive the Iran nuclear deal. The Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action was signed under then-President Barack Obama in 2015, but abandoned by Donald Trump, his successor three years later. It limited Iran's nuclear program and tightened inspections in return for a lifting of many sanctions. Iran has moved ever closer to the ability to make a nuclear bomb. Diplomats agree the coming fortnight is the quote, endgame, but disagree on the chances of a breakthrough. Every week that passes makes the deal seem less attractive. For America, Iran's program becomes harder to reverse, and sunset clauses shorten the period of restraint. For Iran, any relief from sanctions might be shortened if, as seems likely, Mr Trump or another Republican returns to office. A deal that was meant to be, quote, longer and stronger will at best be shorter and weaker. Haiti's political crisis The plight of Haiti has only deteriorated since former president Jovenel Moïse was assassinated last July. Gangs have amassed power. The economy is close to collapse. Now the Caribbean country's fragile politics, long marred by corruption, are threatened by a dispute over the end of the term of Ariel Henry, the current prime minister and president. He took over upon Mr Moise's death and by one reckoning should go on February 7th, the date when his predecessor was due to step down. Two different civil groups have chosen Fritz Alphonse Jean, a former central bank governor, to lead a transitional government in his place. But Mr Henry sees things differently. He says he will leave only after national elections, which are impossible to hold considering the current instability. Meanwhile, Haitians have been fleeing to America and many have been deported back in growing numbers. The turmoil looks set only to worsen. India's Jobs Misery The young in India have long been frustrated by a desperate lack of jobs. Last month, thousands rioted in two large, poor northern states, Uttar Pradesh and Bihar, Neither state is run well. Both are notorious for higher rates of corruption. In this case, anger boiled over because of fierce competition for clerical jobs in the state-run railways. Regional elections now loom in five states, including UP, which, with a population of more than 220 million, is India's biggest. Might dismay over the economy bring political consequences there? The ruling Bharatiya Janata Party sounds confident. In a national budget last week, the government promised to spend heavily on infrastructure, suggesting the effect of that will be to create a lot of jobs. Meanwhile, it will also cut spending plans for a popular rural jobs scheme. That decision was risky, but also suggests that Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister, feels sure of his party's prospects. America's Chip Diplomacy President Joe Biden's officials often raise the issue of trade in semiconductors when they talk to America's allies. 
The goal is to keep chips and the tools and materials used to make them away from China, but without hurting global production. To that end, governments and companies have been setting up forums to align policy. The EU-US Trade and Technology Council is the most formal. Semiconductors will be on the agenda when it meets later this year. Chip trade talks have popped up on the sidelines of other international meetings too. All grapple with the same problem. Harsh trade rules designed to hurt Chinese technology now risk disrupting American industry. Softer rules may work better in the long run, but will also allow Chinese chip makers breathing room. It may prove impossible to craft useful trade rules for the world's most complex industry. Are the Oscars still so white? In 2016, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, the organisation responsible for the Oscars, nominated 20 white actors for the top prizes. After an outcry on social media under the hashtag OscarsSoWhite, the Academy vowed to change. And change it did. Between 2015 and 2020, the Academy doubled the number of female members and tripled those from minority ethnic groups. It seemed to make a difference too. In 2020, voters chose a South Korean farce, Parasite, as Best Picture, the first foreign language film to win the accolade. Last year, Chloe Zhao became the first woman of colour to win Best Director. Many progressive-minded cinephiles will be hoping to see the trend continue when the Oscar nominations are announced on Tuesday. Bookmakers, however, are not so certain. At the time of writing, the frontrunners in the Best Actress, Best Director and Best Picture categories were all white. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Anne Morrow Lindbergh, who died on this day in 2001. The wave of the future is coming and there is no fighting it. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 